verse 43. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. And we talked about how... God bless you. We talked about how um, it was just interesting to Simon this Tanner and just kind of ended it like that. And it was just getting us ready to understand that this Tanner, you know, the Tanners, they were just thought of as garbage and low lives in, in the Jewish culture. And that's what we're going to be talking about is, is, um, is just this, the Jewish culture and the legalism in that and how Peter's starting to, the Lord's starting to bring him out of that. And so we're going to get in today in chapter 10 of, of two conversions. And it's going to be a conversion of Cornelius that um, Rory was talking about in worship of the first Gentile to be converted to be a Christian and also a conversion of Peter. Now that sounds interesting because we think of Peter like, well, he's, he's already been converted. He's already saved. He's walked with Jesus. Jesus he's lived with Jesus. He's a, that's why he's an apostle. But um, we're going to talk about like trans- transformation in, in both of those aspects. And so when we're looking at, at um, this guy named Cornelius, and we'll get into this guy, but he's just a, he's just a guy that, that the Lord had been preparing to, to um, be this guy, like as the first Gentile, and he's in a leadership role, and, and um, he's just, he just doesn't have all the, the pieces quite yet, but God's been preparing him there. But when we think of like great, these like transformations and how amazing they are, we always kind of instantly go towards um, just the Saul of Tarsus or the, you know, somebody that's just this wicked sinner, and then they're, they're converted, and now they love Jesus. You know, and that's what we kind of think of. But it's also a great conversion or trans, transformation, rather, of um, us Christians as believers. As we're, we're growing to know Jesus and, and we're learning more. And we're constantly being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're continually um, being sanctified until, until we're with glory with Jesus, right? So we kind of forget about how important that is, too. And, and that's just an amazing, just as a amazing as a non-believer becoming a believer because it's just growing and it gets us to this point of of knowing the word and and going out and proclaiming the word and so um so let's let's just get into it here in verse 1 chapter 10 it says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment a devout man one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Okay, so this, um, this is interesting because it just doesn't make, it just seems contradictory right out of the gate, right? There's this Roman soldier, and, but then it says that he was, he was a, uh, a devout man who feared God, okay? So let's understand who, who Cornelius was, okay? He was a guy that was from Caesarea, and and Caesarea was this place where um, Pontius Pilate was even from prior to this, and he was a centurion, and, and it was kind of like the the center of sending the Roman the Romans out. And so, like Pontius Pilate would often go to Jerusalem and stuff when the feasts were going on, just to kind of like patrol things and keep control of things. But he he would come out of this same area prior to Cornelius, and so he's a guy he's from Caesarea. Is am I saying that right? Caesarea. Caesarea. There it is, Caesarea. And, um, and he's a centurion. And so what that means is, is um, the Roman army, they had, they had a legion of like five to 6,000 people. And then it would, they would obviously 
They would just kind of have to break down the ranking of that to, to um, have control and leadership over the entire army. And so there would be five to 6,000 in the whole legion, and then there would be like 50 to 60 um, centurions that would each have 100 guys under them. So think, imagine having, you know, you're in charge of 100 guys and keeping discipline and control, and, and then you're using these guys for all military reasons. And so, you know, history would tell us that to be a, a centurion, you would have to be, you know, someone that was, that was, you know, very diligent. And they would often say that a centurion was the backbone of the army, like that they were the, they were the leaders and they were, they were in um, control of all like the discipline and, and the success of, of the army. And so as, as we're thinking about the, what a centurion is and Cornelius, it's just, they, they were steady minded, right? They were even keel. They were, they were like methodical. And that's why they got this role, right? They didn't get, they didn't get really jumbled or they didn't, they could, they can control and understand a situation and know how to think through a situation and know, and to have keep control of it. And so as we think about that, we can think back throughout the, um, like the gospels as like we would read, there was often centurions that were like favorable to um, like godly men. And it, again, that's interesting because they're Rome, wearing a Roman uniform. The Romans are over, you know, like trying to take control of all the Jews in Jerusalem and everything. But there was, if you remember back, there was a, there was a, a centurion that came to Jesus and he said, um, and he had a, like a, a sick servant or something. And he, he came to Jesus and I'm paraphrasing completely here, but Jesus is like, okay, yeah, I'll come over and we'll heal him. And he's like, no, 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 you don't, you're Jesus. You can just heal him from right here. You don't need to come over. And Jesus says to him something along the lines of like, you got, you have more faith than any of the Jews in this, this, this town that we're in. Right. And so it's, it's just interesting. These guys had a mind just to be able to think about not falling into all this Roman pagan um, gods and all these things. There was another instance at the cross, right? When Jesus is being crucified and um, after he dies, this centurion says something along the lines of like, you know, this man was innocent. You know, this was truly the son of God. Like he, he got it. And so that's, that's what we see here with Cornelius, that he's a, he's a devout man of God. And we can just assume that he, he saw all the Romans and all the people having all of these different gods and all these things and the destruction that must have came with it. And he was just this guy that was like, okay, there's, something's not making sense here. Things aren't working out. This isn't making people better. And so he, in a way, at some point, and it's not specific here, but he, he latched onto the Jewish God, the, the, the God of the universe, the real God. But he was still missing something, Okay. And um, it's just important there that he also, you know, he feared God, it says, with his whole household. He led, um, he led people in this as it goes on. And so he's going to continue to do that even as he's, he becomes a Christian. And so in verse 3, it goes on to say, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in, coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send Simon, whose surname, send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Okay, so some more stuff about this centurion soldier, this Cornelius. 
He's trained to not fear things. He's trained. But you can even see, like, this guy, in the presence of, of God's angel, like, he's instantly fearful, and he's instantly, this guy that leads people, he's like, okay, this is somebody above me. I know to, to say, hey, okay, wh- what do you want from me? What do you need? What is, what is it you would have of me, Lord? And so he just instantly does that. And we're going to see the contrast between this guy that is not quite saved yet. He's not, he doesn't know about, he doesn't know Jesus yet. And he's just instantly, he has that, um, he has that obedience. And then we see the contrast of that where Peter's still kind of like the Peter that we know throughout the gospels is just still kind of lagging and dragging his feet about that same kind of um, thinking, but he'll, but he's going to get there. You know, Peter's amazing. And so um, there in verse six, but here's where it's at. Like he's going Peter's going to tell this guy what he must do. So he's still missing something. And um, here also we see in this little section between verses three and, and, um, and six there that it's when he sees this vision, it's at the ninth hour. You know, he has these Jewish customs, right? The Jewish people, they would pray three times a day, nine, 12, and three. And so you, and he's going to go on to say this, um, Cornelius, as he's replaying all this situation, he's going to say he was praying later. But you can just assume right here that he was praying because he's at the ninth hour. He was praying with the Jews. So the only thing keeping him really, I mean, was Jesus. But like, so the Jews accepted him. But the problem was, is that he wasn't like going to go all the way to be converted to Jews. Like, you know, and he gave alms, which I'm sure helped the acceptance there and, and all that. But he wasn't about to be circumcised. And we're going to see in Acts chapter 15 how that when they're, they're arguing with the Jews, of that so the Jews believe like you have to be circumcised and you have to do all these, you know, be a part of all their laws and their, their, their rules and the legalism or you don't get to go to heaven at all. And this is this pivotal point in the, in the um, New Testament where we get to see that where Jesus said, to the apostles, tell all the world. His word is for everybody. We're going to get to see that in this. Okay. Uh, where did I leave off? Verse six. That was a test. You guys weren't paying attention. Okay. Verse seven. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So, it's interesting here when we think about, okay, we have a guy that, that it says he loves the Lord, he feared the Lord, but he's not, he's not saved. He's, he's missing Jesus. So, you know, that, that, why is that a problem, I guess, as we think about this? What's, what's the big deal? It says he feared the Lord and he prayed always. Well, the big deal is, is the Jesus part, isn't it? It's where, like, you don't, you don't just get some of it. It's, it's all of it. It's, it's, it's for Jesus. And so when we think about that, we think, okay, well, what about, you know, like other religions that, you know, that don't believe in Jesus, but they still do all these, these, these great things? Well, is it kind of like what we see here with Cornelius? He's not saved until he gets the Jesus part. 
Just kind of keep that in your mind. Let's go on to verse 9. The next day, as Peter went, into, went on their journey and drew... I'm sorry. There, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open up and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came down to him, said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Let's stop right there for a second, and let's go back to Cornelius, okay, and God's plan with him. And, and as we think about this, so God's plan with Cornelius is he, he gave this guy the desire to want to know something different besides the Roman garbage. Okay, so God's going to put Peter in front of him to explain the gospel to him, to explain, to show him the fullness of God. That's Jesus, all of it. Okay, he, God, God wants him to know and, and wants him to be saved. And so it's like we talked about in core group or uh, home group this last week about, you know, like we can't, we're, we're without excuse, especially here in America, we're without excuse, right? We got a Bible and a church on every corner and, there, and there's no excuse. And yes, we have creation because of creation groans God and there's no excuse there as well. But it's, it's the same thing here. Like God is just saying, is going gonna, is gonna to bring Peter to this guy. So like there is no excuse that he doesn't get the full entirety and the fullness of God. So that's his plan. That's God's plan in this. So, but back to that question, though, of why do we need to know? You know, like, why do we need to know the full part of it? Well, if we think about, like, our, the modern thinking today is constantly... <laughs> no yawning, I said earlier. <laughs> is <laughs> This is constantly thinking kind of the way that Cornelius believes right you can believe in any god you want as long as you're spiritual as long as like no one should have to tell you you shouldn't be told this or that nobody should be going on mission trips to nepal to tell these people that um there's you know a right way or a wrong way like they should be left alone they're happy with what they're doing that's the modern thinking so what's the problem with that well the problem is is like people think that as christians is always trying to tell people about Jesus, they're like, oh, that's you Christians' pride. That's, that's you guys just um, wanting us to do everything you, the way you do it and the way you think. But that's not the case. As Christians, we do it because we love people and we want to see them know Christ and to be saved. But the point is of the thinking of the modern thinking is if people say, like, well, you can just be whoever you want to be and no one can tell you any different. Um, if that's what you believe in your heart. I've heard a couple different pastors use this as an example, and it's super extreme. I understand that it's extreme, but I've heard two different guys use it. And so, you, like, you're talking to somebody, and, and they're saying, you know, you can just, you can think whatever you want, and you shouldn't be telling other people what they need to be believing in and all this stuff. And so what if right here in Polina, somebody moves into town, and their belief system is to kill people and eat them. They're cannibals. That's not that far out there because that's reality, right? There's, there's places where people believe that. So there's information someone could find 
to get that information and to learn it and all of a sudden they believe it. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Okay, so if I'm talking to somebody like that, saying, oh, anybody can believe whatever they want, then you're fine with that. And they'd say, well, no, you can't kill people. Well, why not? They believe that. They believe it's okay to do that. That's what their God tells them to do. It's okay. Well, no, and it gets to a point, right, where we get to a point of like, they just, they, they, where do you stop them? Where, like, this way or this way, where do you stop and get, get control of, no, wait, you, there is somewhere you need to be. There's no foundation in anything other than, than God's word. So, like, that's a problem if you don't believe in the entirety of the Bible, the entire thing, right? And so uh, another one, I heard this one a long time ago. I was listening to this guy. He's a pastor, and he's always, um, he's, uh, always uh, street evangelizing and into apologetics and stuff. And he's talking to these, um, these Mormons, and these Mormons are well-versed in, in their Bible of um, their God. And, and he's talking to them. And he kind of goes down that same path, and you know they're they're debating, and and he's doing and he's doing well, like he's debunking and he's dismantling every part of their belief lovingly, but it just keeps crumbling and falling apart and falling apart because he just keeps going to the scripture, like well, yeah, but what about this? And well, yeah, but the Greek says this, and you know, and so he dismantles it all the way down where it comes to a point where the same situation where they say, well, you know, you interpret the Bible that way, and that's fine. And we interpret the Bible this way, and that's okay too. It's up for interpretation. And the, and the pastor says the same thing. He's like, okay, I'm going to go with you on that. So let's say hypothetically, I believe that I can kill you right now and eat you. Is that okay? And the, you know, obviously they're just like, well, no, you can't do that. And he's like, you just got done telling me that I can interpret it that way. And that's the way I interpret my Bible, let's say. So can I do that? And you know, they're like, well, no, you can't. So it just completely debunks everything if it's not the entirety of of the Bible, and that's what this guy is missing. And so, kind of rolling it back into Peter, because we're talking about Peter in, in this section of 9 through 13. When we talk about when it, it comes up with these animals, and you know, and it's no coincidence, Peter's hungry. It's noon, it's the um, sixth hour, which would be noon. And, um, you know, so he's like trying to imagine, trying to pray, and but he's stumped around, he's trying to hurry him, get through the prayer, and he's, he said these guys are preparing food for him. And so I don't. I think it's it's not out there that the Lord would use this sheet with all these animals on it. And you can guarantee, well, I'm going to guarantee, in my opinion, that there is this amazing fed out pig right there on the front of this thing, and he's super hungry and he's like struggling. He's like, nope, I can't. And you know, he's he's never tasted bacon, but he's probably smelled it and he wanted to. And so it, like, it's no coincidence he's using food to get to him. And then I think of like. When we fast and stuff, God, God, God has us fast, and he, you know, he uses food because like, there's lots of stuff in that, but man, we're hungry all the time, and we need to be hungry for him and be, and be wanting him versus the things of this world. And so, but as we read this, get back to the real point of it, you know, this isn't about Peter's diet as we go through about Peter here. We're talking about um, the conversion of two different people. And it, this is about the conversion and the um, transformation and more of it of Peter's heart, not about his diet. Okay? And so when we're talking about his heart, we're talking about that, that his heart of legalism that needs to be transformed into grace. And it just goes with um, in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 where um, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. 
for you are all one in Christ. So that's the transformation that is that the Lord is using to pull out of out of Peter. And it's just this amazing symphony that the Lord has, has just got all the instruments playing to make a beautiful song for himself. And so in verse, um, I'll go ahead and start again in 13 here and we'll go on. Verse 13, it said, And the voice came down to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything unclean or common or unclean. Now this is this is the Peter we know, isn't it? Because it's that when he says not so, Lord, that's capital L. He knows he's talking to God, and he says not so, Lord. Do so as we think about that. Do do we say that? Do when we hear the Lord prompting us, do we say, no, not today? No, there's. I'm not going to go talk to that person because I something else. Whatever you know. Do we say that? Yes, we do. Now, we'll give it to Peter, though, because he's going to go on to say, you know, why. He says, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And so, okay, fair enough. Give him that. He's, you know, he's, he's sticking to what he's trying to be diligent. And we, you know, that's, that's great. But it still comes to this deal of where, like, Peter, you're talking, you know you're talking to God. And your response is no. Right? So remember when Jesus said, um, why do you guys call me Lord and you guys don't do anything that I tell you to do? It's this same kind of situation right here where Peter's just like choosing his own thoughts and, and with his own desires and, and what he just, oh, this is what I know. This is tradition. We got to have to stick with my tradition versus what God's telling him to do. And... Um, and so when we think about Peter's MO, and we've talked about this repeatedly, especially going through the gospel of Mark and here into Acts, but um, let's remember back, and we're just painting this picture because we should be able to see ourselves in all of these things. Um, and it's definitely not to make fun of Peter or anything. It's just like to bring out this, this stuff in our, in our own lives here. And so like when he's out fishing and Jesus comes to him and, and tells him to go cast his nets again, and he's like, no way. I've been out there all night, and that's the best time to fish, and there wasn't anything. You know, and it was even on the Sabbath, and I wasn't supposed to be doing that, and that's the best time to fish as well for some reason, and there was no fish. And, and, uh, and Jesus is like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and go back and cast off the other side and just and see what happens, right? And then when Jesus is, is talking, telling his disciples that he's going to go and be, um, be killed and all these things, uh, what, is, what does Peter say? He's like, no, we're not going to let that happen. You know, and he's like rebukes Jesus. And then what does Jesus say? Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. You know, that one, that one had to hit pretty hard. And then when Jesus is literally going to the cross, you know, he's telling them, all you guys are going to deny me. You're going to flee and leave me. And what does Peter say? Peter says, they might, those guys might, but not me. Nope, I won't, Lord. But when it came down to it, he sure did, didn't he? He absolutely did. So that's just a good example for us, like as we as we think about saying no to the Lord. Peter's just he's trying to tell the Lord how things are going to work out, and I just like I'm sitting here guilty of that myself. Like I can start the day, and I'm explaining to the Lord how the day is going to go instead of just being 
being available to let the Lord lead how it would go. So let's go on to verse 15. And a voice voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven. Like, it just goes back to that. Like, you can just beat your head against the wall until you're just ready to listen. Like, three times. And um, verse 17. Now, while, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. You know, you guys, just a side note too. Like, this also... What else does this remind you of? Like a story in the Old Testament of a a guy that God told him to go and talk to these people that he he wanted to be destroyed, but he just chose not to. He went and got on a boat anyways and a big old bass swallowed him. Jonah, right? Like it's the same exact story for for the most part of just like not obeying the Lord and his way. He thought his way was was better than God's way. And so um, I think, I just think there can be a lot of Peters, we can all be Peters. We can all be Jonas. You know, hopefully we're on the Peter side of thing. Maybe we're. It doesn't seem to be quite as bad before we we uh, realize it. But verse eighteen, and they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, "Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing." For I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Like Peter, he just said, doubting nothing. And in just the next verse, he says, For what reason have you come? What did the Lord just get done telling him? Verse 22. And they said, Cornelius, the Satyrian, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house to hear the words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now right there where it says lodged him, in the Greek, that specifically speaks of entertaining them. Not just like, here's a place to sleep, come on in. He was there with these Gentiles at this Tanner's house, and he was entertaining them. He was, he was involved with the conversation. He, I mean, they were, he was doing a work, God's work, with them. And in verse 24, And the following day they entered Caesarea, now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together with his, with his relatives and close friends. Right here, we're going to see you guys. The, we have two worlds colliding. Okay, we have the Gentiles and the Jews about to come together. God's going to like smash them together. Where no more is there partiality. It's it's God wants all the world. In verse twenty five. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. 
But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And he talked with them and went and found many who had come together. Now, this is a lot like in um, chapter 9 where, you know, Peter, when he, he goes to raise this guy, or I mean, um, fix this guy that's paralyzed, he says, Jesus Christ heals you. And we talked about that, how he was not taking credit or glory. This is the same thing right here. These guys, when they came and fell at Peter's feet, do you think he said, this is good for you, son, to worship me. This is good for you. Or do you think he said, there will be other saints you guys need to worship? Or do you think he said, you should worship my um, Jesus' mom as well? He didn't say any of those things. He said the opposite of that, right? And we see throughout Scripture where there's other times that people come to these apostles and they, they try to worship them and they just like humbly like, no, 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 no. Nope, not me. We see John in Revelation where he sees an angel and he even tries to worship the angel. And the angel's like, no, don't do that. Get up, get up. We're, the, we're about the same business here. So it's, a, it's just for, for um, religions that think outside of this, this should make them ponder and think of just the humility in the apostles as they, as they go throughout the scripture, of they just constantly are pointing everything and all the glory and credit to Jesus. Um, verse 28, let's keep it rolling. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for Jewish men to keep company with or go to one of another nation. It's just funny to me because he still just can't help it a little bit. Like he's humbling himself, but it's hard. He's, it's like pulling teeth. He's like, you know, don't worship me, worship God, but you guys are lucky I'm here. Um, but has, going on with that verse, but has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. This is getting hard for him, but he's getting through it. He's being obedient to the Lord. Verse 29, Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I ask, then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And I said, Cornelius, and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon, <clears throat> call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God has shown no partiality. So that's what, this is what Cornelius was missing, right? He was missing somebody to go out and to preach the gospel to him. And I, I, I blew by it, but when, if we back clear up, and it'll, it'll tie into this. If we go clear back to the beginning of this chapter, when an angel came to Cornelius, right? He just told that story how an angel came to him and talked. Why didn't the angel just tell Cornelius the gospel? Why, did, like, why didn't he? Why, he was there talking to him. Why didn't he just tell him? 
Well, because it's a privilege that we have that angels don't have to tell people the gospel of Jesus. Angels don't even get to do it. There's one time that I'm aware of in Revelation chapter 14 where it's like in the, um, the tribulation period where Jesus sends an angel to like the last final call to everybody on earth to um, tell them the gospel. But other than that, like it's, it's our privilege as, as men and women Angels don't get to do that. Angels look on that and kind of are envious of us over that. And so as we, as we think about that, like that's something we're, we're getting out of this of like, so it's our job to go and tell everybody, but how, how are we going to tell everybody if we don't want to know and we don't learn and we don't get into it? Right? Fellowship. God sends people to come talk to us about the word. That's what's happening right here. Peter they get together and Cornelius tells a story like, yeah, an angel told me that you're going to come and tell me something. What is it? And Peter tells him and teaches him about Jesus, right? So it's the same thing for us. That's why we're here and why we exist is to tell everybody. So, but we need to be equipped so we can tell everybody so that they, God wants anybody that will call on him to be saved. I don't remember what verse I was on. Um, 32. 32. Send therefore to Joppa. Let's go to 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Um, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Right? That just goes right back to that Galatians 3.28 we read. It doesn't matter who you are. You're calling on the Lord. God's not partiality. God has no favorites when it comes to just calling on him. Verse 37. Now that that word you know, which is proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, which was preaching Jesus, right? In verse 38 here, this is is the, the part of talking about three... Three, the Trinity, right? Here's 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with the power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of Jews of the Jews in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up from on the third day, showed him openly, not all, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to people and to testify that he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witnessed that Through his name, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus, that's who Cornelius was missing, right? Will receive remissions of sins. So we saw in the beginning of Acts, Peter's filled with the Spirit, and he is preaching pretty straight and direct to all the people about sin, isn't he? Like, repent of your sins, of your wickedness, and and just being wretched. Now, right here we get, it's a different, it's all part of the gospel, but this is a different teaching right here this is where peter is teaching about the death burial and resurrection this is what the 
the the Jewish people and and um, the oh, Cornelius were that's what they were missing. They were preaching. He was preaching Jesus. Verse forty four. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. These guys are blown away. These Jews that were with followed Peter. They're blown away because they get to be there and see this happen. They get to see the Gentiles being filled with the Holy Spirit and being converted. In verse 46 it says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's an important part there as we understand things. He was speaking in tongues. They were speaking in tongues and that magnified God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to baptize in the name of the Lord. Then he asked them to stay a few days. So I know that was long and we powered through it. Um, but in closing, you guys, like, these aren't even my words. These are these are words from a guy named Skip Heitzig. And it just it just wraps all this stuff together of of what we went through and the and the lessons we learned as we went through the entire chapter chapter ten of Acts. And number one is that um, no one is beyond reach for God. Nobody. That's important. That's important for us to understand as sinners when we're on this spot of wanting to come to God, and that's important as we are Christians going out to love on people, right? It's important to know that. And the second thing is the privilege to speak the gospel. The angels didn't even get, don't get to do it. We do. That, God gave us that privilege. That's an important privilege. And number three is that um, God has no favorites. He's not, he's not partial to anybody. Anybody and everybody that would just call on him doesn't matter your your skin color doesn't matter your background or what you've done doesn't matter god doesn't have favorites among people that would call on him and the fourth thing you guys is lordship lordship means ownership right we don't we don't want to be the the instance where peter was not so lord you know we don't want to tell god no, we don't tell our boss no unless we're ready to be fired. We're ready to be forgotten. We say to the Lord, we say, how, can, how do you want to use me, Lord? I want to be available. Change me, transform me to be available to be used, to use that privilege that you've given me. You know, he went on to talk about... Uh, this Skip Heidzik, he just went on to talk about Peter in the boat and just how he was telling Jesus, like, Jesus, you don't know how to fish. I know how to fish. I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you. And Jesus just, like, perfectly was like, no, that's, the, that's your problem, Peter. You're saying that you're the captain of your own ship. That's your problem. Jesus wants to be the captain of, of Peter's ship, of our ship. He wants to be our Lord. So, Lord God, I just uh, just pray that you would do that in us, Lord. I pray that these stories wouldn't just be stories to us, God. I just, um, I just pray that 
we would just get to a spot to realize that we can have that that fear of you and comfort of you at the same time that we learned about last week and just trust that so that when it's time to speak of you lord we we would just do it and we and we would rejoice in that and you would be multiplied god your people would be multiplied lord would you do that work in us today father would you um just reign in our lives as we start the week and uh We just love you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.